Okay, hello, all of you listeners in uh, More to Come Land. Uh, this is uh, uh, Calvin Reed here, Senior News Editor, Publishers Weekly, Co-Editor of PW Comics World, um, and The Fanatic, and all the other things I do. Uh, we're here for another episode of Stargazing, uh, and I'll be having this discussion with Meg Limke, PW's Graphic Novels Review Editor. Hey, Meg, how you doing? Hey, Calvin. Hello, everyone. So what do you got in store for us this week? What are we talking about? So per usual, we are going to discuss two books that have received star reviews in Publishers Weekly. Um, so just to remind everyone, the reviews editors are anonymous, but they recommend to me, or sorry, the reviews editors me, but the reviewers are anonymous, and they recommend to me books that they think are notable and excellently done, and then we give them a star, if we all agree. And we're going to talk about, first, what is home mum? by Sabah Khan from Street Noise Books. Mm-hmm. And this is not the first star review books we've spoken about from Street Noise. And I just want to yeah. say they have come more recently onto the scene as a small independent publisher and really been producing some very high quality work. Yeah. And with uh, a focus on, on uh, you know, uh, different authors, mm-hmm. marginalized vo- voices, women, queer folk, you know, they really have uh, an outreach to kind of include voices and narratives uh, that, you know, maybe were were neglected or just outright excluded, you know, in the past. So it's it's it, they've got an exciting lineup of authors. Yes, absolutely. Incredible diversity of authors and also a lot of editorial dedication, you know, clear in the product of the books. So this is a really beautifully illustrated, unusually illustrated graphic narrative. Um, it is there are many sections of it that have traditional panels like comics, but as much um, are these full page illustrations. Um, Sabah Khan is Pakistani and she is British. So she's British Pakistani and the book I believe was originally published in the UK. The work is broadly put about her family, her family's history, the history of um, Pakistan before and after the, um, partition and about how generational trauma and generational heritage basically have influenced her and her sense of self mm-hmm. and family. Mm-hmm. There's a, and, but the approach is very philosophical and psychological. She is, she is really interrogating throughout um, structures and ideas around religion, around identity, around uh, family, a lot about the idea of a collective or communal self versus an individualized self and what that's meant um, in being assimilated or not assimilated in a Western culture, particularly a culture with such strong class distinctions as um, the UK. And then speaking about that um, in parallel with the caste distinctions in, in Pakistan. So it's, it's and even really between heady. other South Asians, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, excuse me, go on. No, no. And that's that's actually one of the things that I think is so fantastic about this book is the depth of which she talks about the nuance and culture and subculture. I think there's a real, there's, there's a, a, a almost pushback against trying to make this easier for a Western reader. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she goes into depth, um, I would say scholarly depth, but it's very readable and inaccessible. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't try to to make things easy to understand for someone who is outside of the culture. She's really giving a lot of specifics and um, 
talking about tensions and, you know, the great differences between even there's a kind of wonderful section where she has an Urdu teacher in her class and she thought I'll take Urdu because it's my family language and this will be an easy mm. class to pass. And she has a, a moment where the, the teacher calls her out because he believes she's not speaking Urdu properly. She's speaking yeah. the, her family dialect. And then she speaks about like, what is a dialect if my, my family's culture or my family's language is actually dominant in this region. So it just, there's a lot of really nuanced and complex pieces about what it means to have diversity within a culture um, that from the outside, you know, there's a kind of monolithic approach to it or view of it. Mm-hmm. So it's great. It's but the, We have to talk about the drawings <laughs> before I get too much further. Well, yeah. well let me jump in for a second. Yeah, let me jump in. in. Let me jump in for a second because I basically I just want to reiterate a little bit about what you're saying. But I, I would add also not to uh, to debate you, but I think in some ways this is the perfect book. For, for for it's not an instructional manual yeah, for exactly. uh, you know the colonial mentality to kind of mm-hmm. re, you know uh, reorder itself. It's mm-hmm. a really powerful personal narrative. It's a, a graphic memoir of really great sub of great substance, deeply thought out that peels back her own personal layer, but it is in dialogue with the world outside of her. Mm-hmm. So in, for me, I thought it was incredibly useful, uh, you know, really, and excuse the cliche, window into her soul mm-hmm. uh, b- uh, about her life, but as both an, Im- an immigrant and a woman and, uh, uh, and trying to live uh, and be the, the best, most interesting version of herself, uh, given her legacy uh, you know, growing up in this community, I think it's what, um, the Newham, uh, community in London that's incredibly diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- just to add into that, that it, it is really informative without it necessarily pandering, uh, to an outside audience. It really is meant to bring to, it seems to me, to bring together all the questions of her identity, to talk them out, to lay them out. To argue with many, uh, many of them and also to kind of outline her path, uh, between religion and secularism within, uh, uh, the Muslim religion and within all of the other cultural, um, dictums of her family. We'll get to talk about this as we talk about clothing and, and, um, you know, hijab or, or, if she, or as, or as what she, you know, there are different terminologies that she uses. Uh, as far as her community, uh, for that particular article of clothing. In any event, yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to add on to what you're saying. It really is a powerfully instructive look at, uh, the sense of who she is, uh, and the community that made her. Yeah, I think that I'm responding almost to this sense of there, there was maybe an editorial trend for a while of, we're going to talk about a non, Western non-white cultural experience, but let's make it, uh, let's make some choices and not get too complicated. Let's not, you know, get too complicated. I felt like there was sort of an editorial push of, um, yeah. of, mm-hmm. and this has got, if there's anything complicated, she's leaning right into it. And yeah. It's, it's complicated. To not pander <laughs> at all. And I absolutely love that about it. And I mean, it's just another example of how the authenticity of her own experience is so specific. Because it's also her specific family experience. Yeah. So she's not asking her family to stand in for all um, Pakistani families in this region, even, or in, in the UK. She's saying, this is my specific family. Yeah. And she talks a lot about the um, 
interdependence of having a large family and being a place or a home where people who are immigrating more recently um, stay in the UK for a period and come in and out of her life. And there's sort of this beautiful little moment where she has a, a Western British teacher say, you know, why are you drawing so many people in your family's house? You know, she's a child and they ask her to draw her home. And there's actually all these drawings of her home throughout. And one thing we should mention is that she speaks about being an architectural student. Mm. And there's, there's a wonderful architecture to her drawings. She has, um, all of these architectural pictures of buildings, but then she layers in them narrative. Um, she uses a lot of data visualization, essentially, um, a sort of poetic yeah. comics data visualization. Yeah, she does. She, it is kind of like mm-hmm. info, info graphics about the self mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. the culture. There's this beautiful one, you know, where she has a Venn diagram about the way that um, that she she says four main methods immigrants can adopt to adjust to a new cultural environment: segregation, assimilation, marginalization, integration. It's it could be straight out of a textbook, but instead it's got full of story and life. And she uses color in different ways. The art is is absolutely gorgeous and um, fine illustration style. It has beautiful coloring. The the paper is actually really interesting. They use this flecked homespun looking paper, which took, it, it actually slows you down in reading, which could be a criticism, but instead I found it really useful to really require me to pause and spend time on each page. The kind of drawings and um, work put into these pages, they're really the sort of thing where like one page you'd put up as a piece in an anthology, like each page carries so much story and meaning. So in that way, it's really a stunning debut. You get the sense this is just feels like years of work immediately. Yeah, no, without a doubt, um, you have uh, her drawing, which is interesting as it, which in some ways is as, as dense as her mm-hmm. prose, but it's so delicately rendered mm-hmm. um, that it's, you know, you don't really look at it quite the same way. She really has a knack for uh, just what we were talking about it. These kind of, Kind of psychosocial um, splash pages that mm-hmm. bring together these very inventive um, uh, visualizations of the concepts that she's talking about, whether it's about herself, whether it's thinking about religion, whether it's thinking about British racism. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she she's able to come up with a really striking, carefully rendered uh, visual representation of what she's talking about that kind of captures the emotional weight of the scene. It's really kind of amazing. And it really is a distinctive uh, a point of this book, which once again, it is very nuanced, very mm-hmm. detailed, but uh, it's not, you know, it is not impossible to navigate. It's, navigate. it's hard to describe, but uh, as in, intricate as her drawings are, they're also incredibly light and invite, inviting. So it's a, yeah, an unusual style. Yeah, to look at. They're accessible. It's not um, – given how many heady topics she gets into and how many really complicated definitions she's, she unpacks here, it's not at all difficult or to navigate. It's yeah. very inviting, as you say, um, and illuminating. And, and, you know, as she investigates her family, and I mean mm-hmm. in every sense of the word, I mean in the sense of the role of religion – the role of male dominance, mm-hmm. uh, what she wears or doesn't wear, uh, the role of her older sister, 
who obviously is growing up and becoming westernized and mm-hmm. the conflicts that that ensue from that. Um, I mean, she takes on so many aspects, so many facets of her life, uh, and illuminates them. It really, um, uh, it's, it's really kind of transporting, uh, when you see an author put, you know, really put themselves on the line in the way that she does, both in through her prose and in her drawings. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The review talks about that balance with the art. Uh, I'll just quote from it. The loose line art employs visual metaphors such as etcheresque geometric forms, yes. nested, mm-hmm. nested self portraits, or still lives of household items with poetic commentary to express the multiplicities and fragmentation of identity. There's a lot of different levels. I mean, she literally will go from a map and, and cultural, personal family history of partition to mm-hmm. a few pages later, a, a row of items found in her home, in yeah. her family home growing up with, um, a kind of poem slash prayer next to them. She has a recipe that she puts together that, uh, she calls, let's see. The rest, the perfect recipe for a dysfunctional family, <laughs> you know, including one leader of imperial superiority, three <laughs> tablespoons of Islamophobia, racism, and other offerings, and um, four tablespoons of migration and displacement. This just is sort of beautiful. Sure. And then she, then then she's there in a cup. The secret ingredient is the youngest daughter, the good girl. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. And even in this one page with the recipe, there's a little window that shows the city outside. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's really quite a quite a uh, quite a uh, graphic work. Um uh you really feel like you've learned something. Uh it has its uh you know moments of humor, but it also mm-hmm. has uh well it has moments of of, of ironic humor. I mean, uh, there's this that that one section and some of the drawings that accompany that, for instance, of her kind of announcing that she wants to be an architect. Mm-hmm. And she investigates that in different ways including for instance uh, the, the dismissal and challenges she gets by simply putting, um, I think people in traditional dress in mm-hmm. her drawings. Mm-hmm. And she gets grilled by this British architect. Like, what are you trying to say? He went, right. you know, went to her, she, this was a, a normal thing. Or when she tells her, her parent, her mother that she wants to be an architect and she says, that job is for boys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she says, no, it's not. I mean, um, I mean, th- th- these are sort of these elemental conflicts, but really, I mean, later on in the book, it really, uh, uh, escalates into, you know, just who she is and who she will be, uh, in between, in this chasm between, you know, uh, traditional culture and the Western secularized version of herself that she is slowly becoming and in relation, her relationships, her personal relationships. Uh, with the guy that she's going out with. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to, it's almost a spoiler, but she does, it does end in a love story. Yeah. Work. But there's also another love story. It would be hard. We'd be remiss not to mention how much her mother. Yes. The mother daughter story is a yes. major. That's a powerful part book. of this as well. Um, and it, as is culturally typical, she, for example, shares a bed with her mother until much, you know, into her, um, early adulthood. Um, when, when she's living sure. with her, they sleep, they sleep side by side. And there's a conversation about the intimacy of that, even when her mother is, um, you know, very directly confronting her about the decision she makes to, at, at some point, take off her head coverings, yeah. her head scarf. And, um, and there's a be- very 
poignant scene about her mother carrying a photograph of her as a little girl and speaking to her about seeing the child inside of her. So, yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's so much there about the relationships. And then she very, you know, adroitly takes these decisions and puts them in a cultural context that again is so specific and layered. You know, when she speaks about pursuing architecture as study as a course of study, she talks about her mother as a kind of architect because of the way her mother always used yes. the family's mm-hmm. clothing mm-hmm. and was a seamstress and created shape out of cloth as like a sculptural mm-hmm. sculptural cloth. And then she also speaks and I I love if she even got into this deeper, but she says it quite a bit about the ways that racism in the UK actually allow women to pursue more higher level work from her perspective than many of the Pakistani male um, cousins she has who often end up working for themselves. She, she describes as builders, yeah. you know, and taking, um, taking on work as contractors essentially, which again is um, like building buildings, but not having the prestige or potential pay as an architect um, or sense of it being, it's another kind of reflection of the class system. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot just embedded. And I, we, I really hope this work gets more and more recognition. It's just out now. It's absolutely worth looking at. And I, one thing, this is a small thing. I noticed that um, the press put a number of blurbs from recently published street noise authors on the back too. So you got, you really are getting a sense <laughs> with this um, second or third year. I don't want to misquote of the press, you know, how they're creating uh, a home and a sense of community with the authors they publish as Without well. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, so kudos to, to uh, street noise books and to Liz Francis, the publisher and founder. Yes, absolutely. And to Sabacon. Yes. And to Sabacon in her book, What's Home Mom. So we're going to transition to the second book that we're going to talk about. And Calvin and I are both really pumped about this book, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, partly, I'm sure, because, you know, well, we'll get into it. But yeah. this is The High Desert, Black Punk Nowhere, a memoir from James Spooner, who is the filmmaker creator behind the Afropunk documentary and then also the resulting festivals, music festivals that came out of the Afropunk documentary, um, which, you know, is observing a community that existed, but the festivals then further elevated and um, created growth in that community of um, black punk and black, uh, black fans of punk music as well as creators of punk music. So I was, first of all, just excited that James Spooner wrote and drew this. You know, I mm-hmm. did not know he was also an artist. Yeah. And there's just an amazing, amazing quality to this work that it feels so of his voice. Mm. Um, yeah. And we were talking about before we got on the podcast, there's a real link between these works and that they're both in, they're so different from such different viewpoints, but they're about identity, right? And yeah, oh, without a doubt. Unpacking one's um, personal identity from your family and your mm-hmm. sense of place and your homeland um, and in a way immigration too. And then he goes from California to New York in sort of search of himself in the punk scene in the course of the book. But to, to kind of start from the beginning, the book is essentially about him moving back with his mom to his hometown mm-hmm. in Apple Valley, California in the high desert and like a real like windswept, mostly poor, mostly white, but has a strong multicultural community within a town. Mm. 
and the racism he's facing out the gate. His mother is white. His father is black. Um, His father is from St. Lucian and was like a bodybuilder. Like Mm. he was Mr. America or his mom was Mr. America to everybody but your son. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So his father is present in the book. Sorry, you you jump in. I'm like too. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that. I'm just I'm really just sort of uh, echoing, you know, your comics because, I mean, it really is. I mean, he's a multiracial kid uh, mm-hmm. who, I mean, to me at the core of this book is is this kid who doesn't really know who he is, mm-hmm. where he is, where he belongs. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know I, I did not grow up as a, a punk fan. I was a rare of the musical uh, um, category and its power and its cultural power, uh, you know, but I was outside looking in. So it was, this book was really fascinating to me because I've read other books also, uh, about how punk, good, bad, and indifferent either, um, transformed the lives of young people during a certain period in their mm-hmm. lives. And I, it was fascinating to hear him once again, I'm, I'll use the same kind of metaphor, peel away the layers of, of, of how he became whoever it is he is now. And it's fascinating. I, I knew a little bit about the film, but I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but his skill as a as a graphic memoirist is 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 very uh, very very engaging. And a, a huge chunk of the book is really a really complex portrait of teen survival. Yeah, it's a coming of age book. Um, but it's very grabbing. I mean, it's much more plot driven mm. if we're comparing it to what is home mom, which is you know, not the purpose of this about the, each of their books, but yeah. since we're pairing them here, um, it's got a definite plot. You know, it's, it's like any teen film, you know, finding your crew, drama within the circle yeah. of friends, betrayals. There is yeah. a real tragedy, which I won't, I don't want to spoil here, but you know, there's some hard things that happen within the punk community. Self-destructive tendencies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, he talks very directly to the idea that the anger and, you know, out forthright sense of isolation expressed in punk music speaks to kids who've had a hard time with their families. You may feel that they've been abandoned. You may feel that their parents just don't understand them. And he he knows that that is true of the friends that he finds through the scene. And the, but, ine- and the equally magnetic attraction of mm-hmm. white power, mm-hmm. Nazi imagery, Nazi sinners, uh, uh, Nazism, uh, racist, outright racism, and just, you know, the, the cruel things and awful things that teens can do um, uh, as they're looking to try to figure out who they are. Right. There's no secret that so this is set in the 90s that white uh, power movement infiltrated the punk scene. And um, Spooner speaks very directly to uh, to co-opting songs that were, in fact, anti-racist, you know, in his reading. Um, so he talks about Black Flag, the band, and how some of their songs were co-opted um, by Nazi factors. Like punk is a scene that has many different factions and factors in it and what's racist and anti-racist right right racist Mm -hmm. and anti-racist you know fully drug using and straight edge you know there's a real there's a lot about veganism in punk which is really fascinating um that what does anti-authoritism mean it doesn't necessarily mean like an anarchistic which itself is unpacked i think in an interesting way but it doesn't necessarily mean um destruction it can also mean very you know very um 
confidently and deliberately saving and, and not har- non-harming, you know, which is like they speak about veganism in the work. Um, but there's this really interesting thing he does where he talks about the outright racism he faces on the streets of Apple Valley, California, where like bikers go by and hurl insults oh, at yeah. him. And then the not subtle, but insidious racism he faces within the punk scene where kids that he knew or that his friends knew since they were little once they were very small and they're in a band together the older brother is a nazi and they're literally sitting around at that that guy's house and having to contend with nazi symbolism and ultimately betrayal you know as the older brother influences the younger and and the relentless barrage of the n-word uh Mm -hmm. you know from either his his so-called friends or Mm -hmm. or actual friends uh, and this, the usual evasion of calling it a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, in, in one way that what we were talking about earlier about both of these books, uh, is there's really, they really go over and recreate the intricate infrastructure of, of figuring out who you are in mm-hmm. a contradictory world when you're living in a world that is and or. Uh, be it the immigrant world that uh, Saba Khan grew up in or the kind of overwhelmingly white, minimally multicultural uh, high school that he had, that he mm-hmm. endured. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I have to admit for me, and because I'm a, I'm a sucker for a New York narrative. Right. New York City is kind of the hero, the hero of this book. And I don't, I don't want to give away too much. But it's it's really uh, it's really kind of transporting to me uh, how New York City and particularly the Lower East Side, how, what a powerful role it plays in. Uh, you know, I, I have this quote from him. And he says at one point, if you don't even know who you are, you can't know who you're looking for. And mm. I think that's kind of something that is really po- this comes up towards the end of the book. But it's a really powerful vibe throughout this whole book because this guy is lost, man. He is really mm-hmm. lost. Uh, and I should say also a key important part of this book, uh, because it is a teen memoir is, uh, for, you know, for, uh, for a straight dude, a cisgender dude, girls, finding girls and getting turned oh, down so by sweet. girls. It's huge, 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 huge. <clears throat> That's just There's a real deal. sweetness to it, actually. Yes. And I was just going to say one thing that I love is that he's so, a, you know, agile in, in bringing the reader into the, the moment to moment feeling of being a teen. You know, yes, you feel like you're stopped in into that. a 90s film like Slacker, you know, you're right there with him. And then pulling back very, you know, adroitly again to use a critical lens where he speaks about the misogyny, for example, that's just a, also yeah. just completely embedded with yep. the, the guys talking together, you know, with the, the girls there um, that, and he just speaks about it and he doesn't, he doesn't excuse himself from it. And he talks about it and he pulls, he pulls the lens back, you know, even further, but then there's just like a hilarious way that he will basically get into something pretty deep. And then he'll just say, but seriously, I was just still wishing I could have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it's just it's like still just like he would, he would say like I really was you know struggling with finding myself in my band, but basically mostly I just wished I had a girlfriend. Yeah, you know, and he and has crushes on literally every single female character in the book. It's but adorable. he's so confused. I mean, I even when the, even when girls like him and invite him, he seems to figure out a way to kind of ruin it, uh, right. one way or another. Not then, of course, on the other side. 
are his this complete collection of bizarre male friends. Mm-hmm. And I love this. There's this other uh, line from the book. Where he says most people don't have to contemplate the potential for homicide in their film, mm. in their friendships, which gives you some notion of the, um, you know, the the, the group, <laughs> the the crazy quilt of relationships he built in this his punk circle, which also included, you know. A really close friend, a tie, a black punk himself, mm-hmm. uh, and other kinds of punks. So it, it was, uh, it, this book is really, once again, another really engaging window into someone, um, as they slowly become, uh, whoever it is they think they are. There's this hilarious visual gag that we, that we spoke about briefly in the review where every time he meets a, a girl he starts to develop a crush on, he finds out they're dating someone else. Yes. <laughs> and the, the word literally boyfriend just falls down and crushes him. It goes from yes, like, yes. typically a very realistic <laughs> drawing style. It's loose line to digital, not loose. That's because not that loose line actually it's digital, but it's like, uh, it has a sense of being drawn quickly, but very accurately. Yeah. Like he gets a facial descriptions to this totally cartoony moment of like him being demolished by the word boyfriend over yes. and over <laughs> again. It's hilarious. But yeah, he, he has, um, he has like a pretty mainstream girl interested in him and her friends essentially are just like, you're too weird at school. And then one of his punk friends who he really develops like a closer and closer attachment to it's clear that they might that something could have developed there but in some ways he pulls back emotionally because she's been she's and this is almost subtle in the work she and some of the other women he's very close to are attached to some of the guys who are leaning towards nazism and yeah there's this kind of sense of they're excusing it and they're but they're complicit in that yeah and then they, they might espouse to be anti-racist and yet they're dating a dude who's a violent racist um, but that seemed to feel like it was, uh, it's passing off. Like there's a sense of like, he's really trying to grapple with that. Like how can he be close to people who are excusing others? Yeah. And, and so in that way, it's really a microcosm of greater American issues. And I have to say really with Calvin too, is that even though, um, I'm actually from the West Coast, originally not California, but, but Seattle. And so being someone who'd come from the West Coast and really loved New York too, and also came when originally when I was 16, 17, looking at schools and hanging out the Lower East Side, like it's very, very familiar, you know, that, sure. that sort of like beauty <laughs> yeah. of the Lower East Side and how people are so, um, people talk a lot about it, New Yorkers being New Yorkers, but they also come and talk to you. You know, yeah. if you're somebody from a place where you didn't feel like you could, yeah, you could, you get, you get welcomed in, you know, he literally walks into a record store and then from that day on has like a complete introduction to a community and goes to a party and like finds out about zines. I mean, it's just yeah. like there's it, a yeah, real welcome. And let's read now. The, he, he, and he has a guy that, uh, he meets in New York that is very mm-hmm. good, but you know, we shouldn't discount the power of the women that he does meet in New York and, and even yes, the women absolutely. back in Apple Valley, they, they in many cases provide the challenges that mm-hmm. makes him rethink his life mm-hmm. and his He's own kind mm-hmm. of unpredictably, his own predictable, per, you know, um, combination of super timidity and internal rage. Um, and so it's really an amazing look at, you know, the making of, yourself <laughs> he writes his mother very well there's also actually a section where he writes his his father's current wife very well and that um 
speaks to his mother has a kind of cluelessness around some of the issues he's facing, some of the racism yeah. he's facing. And yet she's very, very loving and ultimately becomes, you know, changes her life to, to change his, you know, you see that, yes, um, yes. that she gets it, that her son needs her. And so she, she may not completely understand or may not want to fully accept the ways that as a white mother of a black son, you know, she, she can't grasp some of his, experiences but she does dedicate herself to helping him so yeah. you know self-actualize essentially um all that said it's just like a there's lots of stuff and plot there's you know <laughs> yes it's there's um, drama and love and music and there's all kinds of musical lyrics it's the it's a really grabbing book i think yeah. this is poised to potentially do big things i think so too and it, it, it's 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 incredibly meaningful and powerful in, uh, ending to the book or and mm-hmm. and and certainly i mean this another just another um you know, I think he said, you know, the story of the unparented generation, I think he calls it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also a lesson in accepting, his, as he puts it, accepting his own weirdness uh, mm. and finding a channel for it and finding that, you know, maybe he's not. Well, I, that's a cliche, but he's not so weird after all. But, you know, it's it's uh, all the good things about being weird, um, you know, uh, as well as, you know, some of the bad things. It's super fun to read also if you were 18 in the 90s raise my hand here but i think Absolutely. 90s are really back the 90s fashion is back big time so it's very well there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well it's also i mean it's also like a you know a, a playlist of like mm-hmm. the most powerful punk tunes of the time so i think everybody can get in uh, i think there's a soundtrack for this this graphic memoir for sure I, a review said that much like Ghost World this grabbing angsty coming of age tale offers a sidewalk view of a creative subculture um, it's a poignant ode to the power of music to fill voids left by family and circumstance with provocations thrumming on race and identity that sound out like a smash guitar. And this is publishing by Harper. So it's a big. All right. This is great. Big trade house. So uh, there you go. I think the review, the PW review uh, says it's it up. All. And it's out in May. So all this right. is something you could, pre- we, we highly encourage pre-ordering. So there you very, go. Very good for bookstores and for publishers. All right. Two outstanding books uh, that should be on your shelf. Thanks, all. We'll talk again soon. Yes, more to come. Take care.